0: Hey guys, welcome back to Pucks and Pages.
1: My name is Steven. That is my amazing wife, Liberty.
0: We're a married couple with different interests and we try to bring each other into our hobbies by discussing the latest news in both books and sports.
1: And thank God it's been two weeks, but a sports episode.
0: It was very weird because we recorded late on Valentine's Day because of the snowstorm and then had no power for two and a half days straight. Yeah. Our episodes went up a week late, so sorry for that.
1: Needless to say, we weren't the lucky few that kept power in Texas.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no. And by the time we got power, we were already late with our episodes. So I went ahead and posted them, though, because we discussed all the weird stuff that happened with the Super Bowl and after. And then in the book episode, we had discussed you finishing the Hunger Games. So I figured it was better just to publish late and take that next week off from recording kind of. We still did a bonus episode from this past Saturday about all the releases that were coming out for March because I didn't want to be late with that because, like, half the list would have already come out if I had waited.
1: And that would have been really breaking news at that point in time, to say the least. Yeah.
0: I will say, though, that we were pretty lucky. We didn't have any pipes burst. We didn't lose water at any point in time. But, like, in our neighborhood, it became a skating rink because everyone kept having pipes burst out in the middle of the street
1: yeah after everything was said and done of the thirty three buildings, we were one of the five that did have water, yeah, so yeah we we can't really complain. We were pretty lucky, and we had some family friends look out for us and provide wood and some coworkers that stepped up and gave us some wood and hand warmers, which I know you appreciated, yes, <laughs> so
0: as someone who is always cold, even when it's eighty degrees outside, this was a bad week for me, yeah. But just, it was a lot and I thought we had made the right decisions as far as what to do with the podcast when all that was going on.
1: But needless to say, it's now 80 degrees, like average the last couple days here in Texas. And I'm still
0: cold. Yeah. (laughs) But it's much better than it was when the house was in the 40s. Yes. But
1: let's wrap up the conversation of our wrap up from being frozen to death for a week and get back to
0: (laughs) All of that is just to say... Sorry for the random break. We're back. Yeah, we're here. So for the NHL, I didn't really see any COVID updates from when we were gone and this past week. I did see a few health updates, and one of them being that goalie Linus Olmark is out for at least one month for the Sabres with a lower body injury. He had left the game after the first period during the game against the Devils, Apparently he was injured while making a save on forward Nico Heisher.
1: Nico Heisher, yeah, I or Heisher, I think is actually the pronunciation.
0: But yeah, I've never seen that last name before, so that tells you he, all the things. He's you only need their now. captain,
1: I think. If not, he's definitely one of the assistants.
0: Also, I'm pretty sure he's in our division. Yes, he is. So yeah, that's everything you need to know about how much I pay attention <laughs> because this is to the, the sport Devils. that I love, and yeah. it's a team in my division. I don't know how to pronounce their captain's name.
1: Yeah, there was one bit of COVID news that actually came up and it really just had to do with rescheduling all the games that were delayed in the first half of the season.
0: Well, and I really don't think we should go through and be like, this game was moved to this date because they have the full list on the NHL's website, but they just came out with more of the rescheduling.
1: We'll just wrap it up and keep it short and say that there were 31 games rescheduled from the beginning of the season.
0: Now, weren't they saying that the season was supposed to end like mid-May and then move on to the playoffs in June, right? Yeah. The, I don't know that that can happen.
1: No, it definitely can. And so where where they really did plan it well was there was like a week and a half where there was no hockey scheduled. So they've been filling it in in between like these kind of weird pauses in between sections of the season. Okay, so.
0: but how far into the 56-game season are we? Less than halfway, right? Yeah, well, and they're already rescheduling 31 games?
1: Well, yeah, but you got to understand how many teams there are, too. That's less than a game of team, so... Not too no, crazy. No, that
0: is one game a team. Yes. We're still a 31 team league <laughs> Till next for year. Another season. Uh,
1: 32. Speaking of the 32nd team, and I'm just going to pop in really quick and talk about it. Bruce Boudreaux came out and was like, I want to be the head coach of the Kraken. Like, talk to me, guys. Come on. Like, you know, I'm a winner.
0: I don't know that he's going to get the job.
1: I don't think he'd be a bad fit. And definitely, you know, I think a lot of the expansion teams usually take risks on like assistant coaches that deserve head coaching jobs because it's just like the guy's been working under so-and-so for so long. Therefore, he's probably qualified to be a head coach. Continuing back on the subject of injuries. Boy, are we hopping around today.
0: It's going to be one of those days, apparently. <laughs> Jason Zucker will be out long term with a lower body injury for my... Pittsburgh Penguins. He was helped off the ice after crashing into the boards in the third period of the game against the Capitals on Tuesday. I don't like when my boys decide to go slamming into the boards because Gensel had that shoulder injury that way. Like, how about you learn how to stop? Watch the Mighty Ducks and learn how to stop. They teach that kid.
1: I just love that in the interview with your head coach and the new GM, both of them use the exact same term and in quotes how long is the injury going to be? Longer term. yeah, Not not day to day, not week to week. (laughs)
0: Not six weeks. Yeah, just
1: longer term. We don't know how long. It's just going to be longer.
0: Whatever you're thinking it is, it's longer.
1: (laughs) Yeah, add a couple more weeks.
0: You also had a defenseman get injured. It was Carl Gunnarsson. He will be out for the season for the St. Louis Blues. Talk about a long term injury. It's his right knee that was injured in the game against the LA Kings on Monday. He's currently in the final season of a two year contract, so he can become an unrestricted free agent at the end of this season, which I think that happening right after a season ending injury is gonna be real bad for him trying to negotiate a contract.
1: Yeah, I don't know that he's gonna try to stay with the Blues. If he is, it'll be for less money just because you don't ever really know how a player is gonna recover until they've recovered. Right. So, like, for all we know, this this isn't going to be a career ending. He's still a younger player. So it's just like...
0: He's 34. Yeah. So like he's younger than some, but definitely at the age that some people have retired they're in gonna, the past. They're going
1: to stop hedging bets on like his abilities probably, at least a little bit. But speaking about defensemen, Buffalo Sabres Jake McCabe uh, will be out six to eight weeks. Or Sorry, gosh, I did this even in my notes. He'll be out six to eight months after injuring his ACL, MCL, and meniscus in his Right knee with yes. a neon knee, knee hit, mm-hmm.
0: so and that's why neon knee, knee is considered tripping, and like that's why that gets called. Yeah, I remember going to a hockey game with one of your coworkers, and he's like, "That's not tripping, that's not tripping. What's yeah. happening?" And I was like, "It was neon knee, knee contact. That's why that's called for that."
1: Hey, it's one of the most dangerous ways to get hurt in the NHL, shy of maybe a blade to somewhere on your body and, you know, going head first in the boards. Only two that I would put higher than a knee-on-knee hit because it's just... Ugh.
0: I mean, it got wrecked. I don't know who he ran into, but like...
1: To have injuries to all three pieces of your knee, basically, just...
0: Well, you also have your LCL, and that seems to be the only part that, that he, he was okay. Yeah. And that was probably because he got hit on the outside of his knee, so the inside of his knee wasn't as bad. Yeah. But, like, yikes.
1: Exactly. Yikes is the right word for that one.
0: Six to eight months. That... Yeah. I mean, he's going to have, like, a completely robotic knee at that point or something. I
1: don't don't know if they'll use robotic (laughs) science to fix him, but... He will probably have a very long recovery process that may make him feel robotic at a certain point but I don't think they'll cut him out and be like you're a robot now and your leg like, enjoy.
0: Look, I'm imagining a world <laughs> where they stick in robot parts when anything is broken. <laughs> There's also, forgive me because this name is going to come out so weird, I'm sure, Elvis Merzlikens.
1: Yeah, I, I've i never tried to pronounce his name before, so Merz, Merzlikens, I don't know, like he's from Europe, Eastern Europe, so.
0: His first name is Elvis, though, so yeah. that's great. Yeah. He is currently week-to-week for the Columbus Blue Jackets because of an upper body injury. The goalie left the third period during the game against the Nashville Predators on Saturday.
1: So I just want to clarify, you're saying Elvis left the building?
0: I would like you to leave the building.
1: (laughs) Sorry. But yeah, no, it's definitely a hit for their team, but I really don't think it's the end-all be-all for them. Like, they still have... A plenty talented goalie to play, so I'm really not too concerned.
0: I'm sure their backup is fine, but like you never want a goalie going out due to injury just because you don't have like five guys that can take his spot, you know, like you do with other positions. Yeah, there's not what we call here the depth.
1: Yeah, but they they have Corpus as their other goalie, so it's not like they're hurting by any means.
0: Well someone's hurting on that well, team, yeah, obviously. Uh, he is, yes, yeah.
1: But Jonas Corposalo has been nothing but lights out for them too. Between them and, which still blows my mind, shy of last night's game, the Blackhawks goalies are leading in save percentage for the season so far. So it's like, uh, they'll, they'll probably be okay. But also this week, we had some fun news out of the Canadiens organization. Uh, they fired their head coach, Claude Julien. The Canadiens started the season 7-1-2, and two but since have only won two games.
0: Yeah, they ended up in the past eight games having a 2-4-2 and two record, yeah. which is not pretty.
1: To say the least.
0: I mean, oh. technically they got points in like half of those. So yeah.
1: His uh, record as a head coach overall um, in all the positions he's, been in, mostly with Montreal, uh, was 667 wins, 445 regulation losses, 10 draws, and 152 overtime losses. So he's like a little above 500.
0: The draws part is so weird. That should not happen. Well, it
1: hasn't since 2004. So it feels
0: like that should have been a lot longer ago.
1: Yeah, it's not. Not that long ago at all.
0: They also ended up firing assistant coach Kirk Muller yeah. that same day. So it was like a double firing going yeah. on there. And in their places we're having assistant Dominique Ducharme replacing Julian as coach with Alexandre Burroughs joining as the assistant. It just seems like with such a short season they decided to get rid of them sooner rather than later.
1: Yeah. All I'm saying is Claude Julian for the Kraken. I would much rather see him there than I would Boudreaux. I don't know. Depending on what players end up there, I think is really where that would affect that.
0: I mean, in the article I read about Julian and him getting fired, it talked a lot about having the same tactics and the same, like, attempts at revitalizing the team and how at a certain point you hit a wall and i don't know how that is going to work with a whole new like group of players who may have played with each other before but probably haven't and having to like start from the ground up how that's going to work with that kind of like repetitive sort of coaching yeah But in a bit of good news, the Flyers-Bruins game at Lake Tahoe is now the most watched regular season NHL game that was broadcast on NBCSN. It averaged more than 1 million viewers, which in the U.S. that's a lot.
1: That's adorable. I
0: know. Both games during that weekend brought record TV ratings, but the ratings for the game between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Colorado Avalanche... It got divided into two parts because of the delay. So at the first period of the game, they were averaging 1.398 million viewers. But then because the broadcast got so late for most of the U.S. for the rest of the The game, it dropped down to 361,000 views. So it lost more than a million viewers averaging for the back half of the game or more than back half.
1: I will tell you the area that it was in was Beautiful in Lake Tahoe. Yeah. Like from one side of the ice, you had the snow-covered mountains in the backdrop. And on the other side, you had the forests that are up there and it's just it couldn't have been cooler to be there. I really am sad that fans weren't allowed, but I understand why, obviously, but
0: I feel like the reason it was so beautiful was because there weren't any fans allowed, because you could see more of it gave what,
1: you a bigger line of sight.
0: Well, you could see more of all the beautiful things without any sort of distraction, but you could also hear the game better. Yeah. Which is what I've liked about not having fans in the arenas because you'd get these sort of like five, ten seconds when no one was talking except for the people on the ice and you could hear the blade and the puck and the sticks and the chirping and it was beautiful. Yeah. And they did that for one of the games as it, well. The
1: first game, they gave like the first five minutes to just the sounds of the game. they were like, we're going to be quiet and let you really enjoy the scenic and sounds of the game. And it was just like, holy well, crap, it's so great.
0: You know, if they're going to have to whisper for golf, why don't they do the same for hockey? <laughs> I just he, want to hear the pop.
1: And he passes it to Crosby and Crosby puts it in the top left shelf. Goal, Sidney Crosby.
0: <laughs> That's what we call.
1: Yeah, I hope that gets picked up on the mic.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think they're going to end up doing more games like this. They've already talked about how they want to do more, like, scenic, beautiful locales for their outdoor games. So I have a feeling they're going to start doing that versus the Stadium Series. Despite the fact that the Stadium Series brings in a lot of money through tickets, I think they're probably going to have to choose which one they prefer.
1: Well, I think the big thing is a lot of fans were like, we want games on actual lakes. And it's like, well, A, no. B, the reason they don't do that is because it's impossible to control ice quality at that that way, you know. Well,
0: number one problem is safety, yeah. first of all. It might look frozen. It might not be frozen. Right. That's how that works in the winter.
1: On top of that, you'd be putting all the boards and things like that on top of the ice, which...
0: It probably can't tolerate. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, like, I'm all for scenic areas, and I know a lot of people were pushing for that one lake in Canada to host a game. And it's like, it's all well and good when one or two people are being cute and skating on Instagram for it, you know, on the ice. But full-on hockey, I don't know if that's really the right solution. Right.
0: But speaking of beautiful things, I suppose, coming up with a segue here, (laughs) the New York Rangers forward Chris Kreider played the piano at the Rangers hotel before the game in Philadelphia. And maybe he should keep doing that because he got his third career hat trick that night. Hmm. Apparently, this is a semi-normal thing that hockey players do. Like Some of them play the piano and so they'll just walk up and start playing before they go in for the day.
1: That's kind of weird. I don't think I've ever heard of that before, but it's interesting, I guess.
0: Apparently, he was also singing, but the video I saw didn't include him singing, so video or it didn't happen.
1: Right. I do think that there is a fun bit of information that came out this week that I know you're going to be happy about. Okay. Uh, Disney announced that they're going to be making a movie about David Ayers, the Zamboni driver turned winning NHL goalie. That was a year ago, so...
0: I don't know why they didn't start making that a movie after it happened.
1: Uh, So David Ayers was interviewed after this announcement came out that Disney was going to be involved with it and basically said that over 16 different publishing houses wanted to make movies and or books about him playing. And I'm like, he played in one game, guys, (laughs) calm down. (laughs) Um,
0: I think the thing that makes that story so funny for me is not only was it like... Uh, Zamboni driver, it was the losing team's Zamboni driver. For
1: their minor league team, no less, technically. Yeah. Like, he, he wasn't even an active player anymore. He was the Zamboni driver for the Marlies.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's like double slap in the face. You got beat by a guy that doesn't even compete anymore, technically. He's just always been the emergency goalie, so.
0: And that's the beautiful part for me. And something I love, like, even just thinking about it after this happened Steve Dangle had a video out the day after this happened, and it's the funniest thing I've ever seen about it. Because he is a fan of the Leafs, and he just, like, went off, and I love it.
1: Yeah, it was definitely one of the funnier, like, I guess, episodes of his show.
0: Yeah, but moving on to a sad part of the NHL. The LA Kings defenseman Austin Strand has been fined $3,168.10, which is the maximum allowable under the current CBA, for cross-checking Arizona Coyotes forward Connor Garland during the game on Saturday, February 20th, and the money goes to the Players Emergency Assistance Fund.
1: It's sad to hear that about, well, Connor Garland being on the receiving end of it, because honestly, there's a lot of players in the NHL, but I would probably put him on my top 10 list for like hardest working player. Just the effort that he puts out on the ice. He's always the first guy there. He always is the one that spends the most time in practice. He's always the person that does, you know, is very connected to the community with the charities with the Arizona Coyotes. And so it's, I I hate to see things like that happen to him. And it was ugly, Yeah. So,
0: ugh. That's probably why the other player got fined. Yes, to say the least. But this wasn't the only fine that was coming out this past week. You had the Vancouver Canucks forward Antoine Roussel being fined $5,000, which is the maximum allowable under the CBA for roughing Edmonton Oilers forward Jesse Pulivari. Yeah, that
1: was... Good attempt. I'm not going to try to correct you, though, either.
0: You can't say it, neither can I. Yeah. During the game on Tuesday, February 23rd, and that money also goes to the Players Emergency Assistance Fund.
1: And continuing to speak on the history of Roussel, even with his time here in Dallas, he's always been an overly aggressive forward. Spends a lot of time in the box for doing things like that, so I'm really not shocked. Yeah. Like, he's not by any means a repeat offender where he does it multiple times in a season, but he's known for being aggressive as a player, so kind of a bummer.
0: But something that was nice to see this past week, you had Henrik Lundqvist back on the ice on Tuesday for the first time since having open heart surgery in early January. Yeah. The Washington Capitals goalie posted videos on Instagram and Twitter of him facing shots and working out at a private rink in New Jersey. He's saying that he's in the early stages of his recovery and that he's not going to try to like push it. Right. Right. And do too much too soon it's unclear if he intends to play this NHL season but he has come out and said it will be months before he knows if he'll be able to resume playing after having open-heart surgery he's going to be further assessed by his doctors in late March
1: yeah, I love what the the Capitals did on their Instagram. They literally just tweeted out or and and posted on Instagram, "The King is back on the ice," and then they put the crown with like the ice hockey emblem next to it, and I was like, that's so sweet. Like I'm I'm excited to see him on the ice. At the same time, my concern is you just had open heart surgery, dude. Don't rush it back.
0: I don't think he's trying to. I think he's just trying to keep working. He's trying to keep working on his health and his heart. At the same time, he's trying to stay in roughly NHL shape. Just in case. I know of someone who literally had a heart attack this past week and then went to work the next day because, you know, the USA's health is a disaster to say the least so i don't think he's gonna do that yeah i'm not really worried about him moving into the nfl the tennessee titans indianapolis colts and jacksonville jaguars have announced that they are partnering to make a joint one hundred thousand dollar donation towards the city of houston the nfl foundation plans to match the donation upping the total amount to two hundred thousand dollars and the donations will be directed to the Houston Harrison County 2021 Winter Storm Relief Fund. And the United Way of Greater Houston and the Greater Houston Community Foundation will be in charge of the fund. The Texans jumpstarted recovery efforts on Monday with their own $500,000 donation because Texas was not prepared for that storm.
1: To say the least, we were so far from prepared. The, the part of the, that really mattered with that donation was the fact that the city of Houston was by far the least prepared. Like, Dallas understands that every now and again freezes happen. Houston, on the other hand, had nothing in place. And, like, our homes here are built poorly to handle freezing temperatures in Dallas. Right. But in Houston, they're not built for cold weather at all. No. So, like, the the pictures that you saw coming out of, like, people's cars covered in water and then frozen over, that was in Houston. Yeah. You, like, if you ever told me, like, yeah, in Houston, there's going to be a car completely smothered in ice that came out of a pouring broken pipe, I would have been like, you're crazy. You're absolutely crazy. But, you know, they, they definitely got hit between them and San Antonio, probably the worst. They were the least prepared cities. Well,
0: San Antonio is so far south, you would never expect that to happen there.
1: Well, same thing with Houston. They're both very, very far south in our state. And, you know, the, the deep freezes usually hit about us and then stop. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, that's really what threw the whole state into the spiral as it were, so.
0: I mean, looking at that, I'm like, oh, that's really nice. That's about 700000 That's almost a million dollars. But then if you consider the fact that there was a congresswoman in a whole other state that managed to fundraise way, way, way more than that. Yeah. It feels a little hollow, but...
1: And I, I know you don't like to jump sport to sport, but there, there was other... Organizations that w- were involved with donations and things like that. Right. And within the NBA, it was predominantly the Dallas Mavericks. Um, between their players and executives, they raised $1.25 million to help those types of situations. Right. As well, here in the Dallas area, the money basically went to emergency homeless shelters, warming stations, rehousing costs, and emergency rent for people in low income neighborhoods. Yeah. So, like, they, you know, also were active, and that money came immediately. It wasn't like after the fact, we raised this money to try to help the things like that money was being put to use date one of our our snowmageddon here in Dallas so
0: yeah well and the warming stations started pretty much the second day of all of this yeah so like if they were putting money into that already that actually was very helpful in the emergency as it was happening
1: but we'll stay on the subject of the NFL so
0: good yeah so the la chargers announced on monday february 22nd that three-time pro bowl guard doug moosey wilkerson passed away at the age of 73 he had spent 14 of his 15 nfl seasons with the at the time san diego based team yep i don't know who this is but i like his nickname moosey it's very cute yeah 73 feels a little young
1: as a football player, it's really not. Kind of just because the wear and tear on the body and a lot of the offensive-sided players were, like, they, back in the old days, they got beat up a little more than they do now. Right. There's not as many protections for them, so I'm not shocked. It's, it's sad, but it sucks. Yeah. Also this week, the Texans announced that they were going to release center Nick Martin and running back Duke Johnson due to a attempt to lower contracts within their organization. Right. Trying to save a little money. Well,
0: and Johnson was considered less productive in the last two seasons that he was with Houston. So, I mean...
1: trimming the fat.
0: If you've got a guy who's overpaid and underperforming, then you're going to get rid of him. Yeah.
1: And then a little bit more of the uh, continuous Washington football team news. Oh, yay. 20 female former Washington football team employees requested that the NFL commissioner release the information that was found by the independent investigation into the team's conduct. It was originally a third party investigation by a lawyer hired by the owner of the Washington football team. And the NFL was like, uh, that's going to be biased. So the NFL stepped in less than a week into that investigation and took over. Yeah. But none of the information has been released to the public. The only thing that's come out is the NFL commissioner basically stated the Washington football team is handling the problems better now and it's like um, i hate stuff like that i like, hate stuff like that. if you're gonna do the investigation why isn't this public knowledge like this should come out
0: well the thing is everyone tries to sort of keep it all in house and deal with it that way and like you really had that problem with sexual assaults and stuff happening in the military as well they try to keep it as like low-key and calm and quiet and buried as possible yeah and it's the same type of crap, and like it needs to come to light so that other organizations realize that this isn't okay and that they also have to keep a handle on this nonsense.
1: Yep, agreed.
0: The Denver Broncos have released veteran defensive tackle Jarrell Casey after one season. This is going to free up close to 12 million dollars in cap space for the team. And they're one of the teams with the most space left before they hit cap with roughly $43 million. But his acquisition in a trade with the Titans a year ago was considered a steal at the time, but then they didn't get a good ROI out of him and they just don't want to keep him anymore considering he only played three games for the team after a season-ending injury.
1: Yeah, so needless to say, they uh, didn't really get much for that one.
0: It's a lot of money for three games.
1: To say the least,
0: yeah. Plus, they probably had to pay medical expenses for him and other stuff like that. Yeah. And the last bit of NFL news that I have personally is that the Texans remain unwilling to talk a Deshaun Watson trade. Some teams have resorted to leaving trade offers in voicemails to the team, (laughs) which is hilarious. Yeah,
1: It's sad. The Texans really are.
0: Well, and Watson still wants to be traded. Like that hasn't changed at all. He
1: tweeted this week to the owners. Basically, you're wasting your time and my time. I don't want to be here anymore.
0: Right. So they're in this weird stalemate. And like the team's not budging. He's not budging. And I don't know what's going to happen when it's time to start training up for the new season. Because I have a feeling he's going to be one of those players that doesn't give their 100%.
1: I can tell you right now, so the NFL CBA doesn't require him to show up to camp under current contracts, so he's probably not going to do that, probably not going to be a part of any of the camps.
0: Why would you not be required?
1: Because, so off-season camps is what's starting up here pretty soon and he's not required to show up to those camps. When it comes to the preseason camps, which are the non-offseason ones right before like games and all that crap, I believe you're only required to attend a minimum amount. I don't know the exact number. I want to say it's about a week or two weeks worth of camp before coming. Now the team can fine you for not showing up to those practices, but in usually in like ugly contract discussions, they don't because they're trying to fix the problem. But I I think this is going to get uglier before it gets better in in that sense. And I don't know. It's just that Houston wants so much if they're going to trade him. And most teams are like, he sounds toxic right now. Like, how are we going to know that it's going to be better here? You know, but I would say that the guy is a, a team player. It's just that They've done nothing to help him with his career down there in Houston. And they've put guys in crappy trades where like DeAndre Hopkins was traded last year to Arizona for a second round pick. This dude is a receiver who's been your number one receiver for years and you traded him away for a second rounder? And and a player who clearly did not come through with what you've you know you wanted out of that. So I don't know. They've just done a lot of stupid things to destroy the weapons that Deshaun Watson had to throw and he still was the leading passing quarterback in the NFL this season. With nobody. He literally had nobody to pass to. Like no big name guy. I it's know. weird I,
0: that it would be one guy against eleven other guys.
1: Well, obviously there's players in the field, but I'm saying though well, like the talent that he's had that Houston's traded away It's a slap in the face. Like, uh, uh,
0: Well, this guy thinks everything's a slap in the face. He's not involved in signings for people who are well above him and all this other crap. And he thinks that's a slap in the face. It is. No, it's not. You're a player... You shouldn't have a say in people getting signed, people getting traded. Like, I get that you're the big man on campus or whatever, but you are still just a player. And I personally would have a problem if I was the coach and you have this guy... Moaning about all this crap.
1: It's it's becoming the new norm for quarterbacks to have conversations with whoever they're bringing in for coaching roles, and the reason being is they want to make sure that their offensive style is going to mesh with themselves, and that does end up bringing usually a better quality relationship between offense coordinator, head coach, and quarterback. And you know, don't get me wrong, defense is important, but like if you don't have a good quarterback, you're not winning anything. So it, it it's. I agree and I disagree, I guess, is what I'm trying to say.
0: Isn't that always the way? Yeah. The thing is, you have quarterbacks acting like divas because they want all this crap. And for me, it's like, your job has nothing to do with the GM. Like, sit down, shut up, do your effing job, in my opinion. Yeah. But also, he could probably kill me with his bare hands. So let's just move off that subject. (laughs) I didn't find much for the MLB, but this was also around the time that, surprise, surprise, our power went out again. So I stopped looking at the news for a little bit, and who knows if there was anything else going on.
1: Not a lot of stuff, so...
0: Good to know. Yeah. I have two things, the first one being that Brian Snicker, I think is how you say his Snicker, last name? Snicker, yeah. Signed in extension with the Braves through the 2023 season. And it includes a club option for 2024. Correct. And that the A's have taken the next big step towards securing a new ballpark in Oakland by releasing the city's draft environmental impact report. The release of the document was expected in 2020, but was delayed due to COVID. No one's surprised. Right. It provides an analysis of plans for the A's proposed new 34,000 seat stadium at Howard Terminal near Jack London Square. The project also includes plans to build 3,000 homes as well as 18 acres of new parks and open spaces all around the area.
1: I'm really glad that like the investment into a new stadium now isn't just okay we're putting a stadium here.
0: And then uh, parking lot.
1: Yeah so like they're having to revamp everything around it and my only concern is how much this is going to be gentrifying Oakland. Right um
0: well they are taking what they're describing as a transit first approach so that whole like giant parking lot shouldn't be a thing yeah and the ballpark will have a focus on expanding methods of public transportation towards the area so you would assume that would dial down the gentrification a little bit but who actually knows
1: yeah. No. All, all that being said, the Oakland Athletic Stadium is one of the oldest stadiums in the major leagues. So yeah, it's probably due time to, to build something new. Uh, also this week, the Arizona Diamondbacks signed Tyler Clippard to a one-year $2.25 million deal. The one-year contracts continue.
0: The Clippers are not a baseball team, correct?
1: No, the Clippers are a basketball team.
0: He should go play basketball.
1: No, I don't know that that's the It would case. be
0: a Clipper on the Clippers.
1: Well, Clippard. Like Clip Pard, P-A-R-D.
0: Close enough.
1: No. (laughs) Mariner's CEO resigns after comments about players and interpreters. He made claims that certain players were overpaid and that he thought the team having to pay for international players interpreters was ripping off the organization.
0: F you, guy.
1: I love the best part about it for the player that was being commented about being overpaid and not performing. His wife clapped back on Twitter and was just like, are we moving? so i was like that's fantastic
0: i just like i agree sports you agree sports okay i agree that sports players get overpaid
1: yeah. Uh, however, if you're going to dip into the international waters when it comes to athletes, understand that interpreters are required to be in existence. Like if you want them to do all these press things, you need somebody to be able to help them communicate. If English isn't their first, second, or and or third language sometimes, you know, it's like cut them some slack, you know.
0: Well, the first thing you have to ask any American who says something like this is, how many languages do you speak? Oh, just the one, then you can go F off. Yeah,
1: so like my, my, over my years in my lifetime and where I've worked, English hasn't always been the main language of my clientele. Here in Texas, regularly in this area, I have people that are of Indian descent or of Korean descent. And I always tell them, like, listen, I go, English is my first language. I go, if I tried to learn your language... I would be speaking it a thousand times worse than you're doing in English right now and right. I know that for certainty. So I'm like, I appreciate you trying because you know, my Korean is probably much worse than your English is, you know, in in most instances. And so, you know, and as somebody who travels I'm that dumb American that doesn't speak any other language when I travel, but I'm polite about it. I'm not like a jerk going like, why aren't you speaking English? You know, like I'm in your country. So you
0: shouldn't even be asking, why aren't you speaking English in America? Yeah. Is that probably the most spoken language universally across America? Yes. But there are some places in the U.S. that that is not the most spoken language.
1: Literally where we live is the case. And so like, I don't, I don't judge when it comes to this types of things and so it it just is mind-boggling to me that you could be a CEO of a major sports organization who has a history of bringing players from Japan and Korea into the United States to play also from the Caribbean islands and surrounding area this just makes no sense my brain hurts like how could you be this ignorant and well he's of
0: the mind that those people should just assimilate and they should just learn English and like that's not how the world works anymore dude no. Like, I don't know how old you are, but you seem very old.
1: No. It's just shocking to me. And I, I'm glad that the Mariners basically approached him like, you can resign or we're going to fire you. Like, you make your choice. And I'm glad that that was the way it was handled. You know, giving him the chance to fess up to his screw ups. It's over with, I guess, in that instance. Basically, what they're doing is their CFO is going to take over as the CEO temporarily until things get worked out. Hmm but there was a small bit of COVID news. and affected my team, sadly. Jose Abreu of the Chicago White Sox was absent from spring training during the first two weeks of camp training and the opening week of games due to a positive COVID-19 test.
0: Has MLB started?
1: Uh, well, spring training starts today, the day we're recording. Okay, so, so
0: he hasn't missed games. all that yet.
1: He's missed the first two weeks of training, which have happened over the past two weeks and he will miss this week based on his COVID-19 test. Okay. So nobody knew why he was gone the first two weeks, but now people do. So they're saying he's asymptomatic. So
0: it's, good for him,
1: but he's still positive. So they're keeping him away from everybody else.
0: Moving into the NBA. I have some NBA news, but not a lot. Again, the first being that the Detroit Pistons announced that their guard, DeLon Wright, suffered a grade 2 right groin strain on February 19th and will be reevaluated in two weeks. Sounds fun. Not really. Then you had the Hornets forward, Gordon Hayward who was forced to leave the game against the Utah Jazz on Monday, February 22nd, after re-aggravating a right hand injury. It appears that it happened when he landed hard on the wrist at the end of a drive to the basket.
1: He was able to play later in the week, so it must not have been too bad.
0: I guess, but he had to leave that game because yeah. of it.
1: Yeah, he... Um... Got into a little bit of a scuffle with one of the Warriors players in another game and at the end of the game and the Warriors player took his second technical and was thrown out of the game in the process of a jump ball attempt. He must have been all right because he was brawling out for a ball with a grown man, so.
0: Yeah, that's always fun to see. Yeah. And the last injury I have is that Brooklyn Nets star Kevin Durant will remain sidelined through the NBA All-Star break as he recovers from a left hamstring injury.
1: It's been something that's been going on for him almost all season. Like, they've been playing him a few games, letting him sit. So, like, the All-Star break, I think they're more or less just using it as a way to give him a little more time to rest. Which is sad because he was, I think, the number two vote-getter in the NBA this year for the All-Star game. So, yeah. so
0: the commissioner had to bring someone forward to take his spot, basically. Right. But he's been in and out of the lineup, not just because of this injury. There were also health and safety reasons he wasn't allowed to play for part of the season. So even if he was healthy enough to play, he was pulled for that. It's been kind of a sloppy season for him.
1: There's a little bit of funny news, and I don't know if you saw the pictures of it, but it was pretty priceless. Um, If you haven't, you should look it up and take a a gander at it. But the Oklahoma City Thunder changed their jerseys during halftime after they came onto the court in the first half wearing their orange jerseys while the Atlanta Hawks wore their red jerseys. And they're both like kind of orangish red to begin with. Okay. So they all looked like they were almost wearing exactly the same jerseys. And if you were partially colorblind, you would have thought they were wearing the same color jerseys. They ended up switching to their away jerseys, their white jerseys, in order to stop the confusion and have Why
0: fun. was that not a thing already? How did like, they not know? Yeah. Is it not normally home game wears the regular jersey and then the, the away team, away team wears, wears white? like Or the away well, jersey? Well,
1: the, the away team was wearing their away jersey, which happens to be red, uh, that orangish red color. And then Yeah, it was... It was weird looking to say the least. Let's see if I can pull it up here really quick. Yeah, here we go. You tell me which one played on which team. So they're almost exactly the same colors, minus like the the trim.
0: I think they look different enough. You would have been fine, but apparently not.
1: Well, watching it on the court was a little weird. Also this week, Brooklyn Nets. Kyrie Irving was tweeting out and then was asked about his tweet in a post-game interview about his fight for trying to replace Jerry West with Kobe Bryant as the NBA logo, basically stating that Black Kings are the ones that built this league. You know, African-American players are the ones that built this league. We should be represented in the NBA logo and not be an older white guy.
0: Isn't the logo, like, not specific
1: It's pretty not specific.
0: So I feel like it could be any man playing basketball.
1: That's the logo, so...
0: But, I mean, sure. It's
1: a conversation that's been going on for a few years. It obviously wasn't related to Kobe Bryant being the replacement, but there's been conversations with replacing Jerry West over the years in the logo. I I kind of could get behind it and on board with it. I'm not trying to be part of, like, the whole world of cancel culture where it's like he's white, get rid of him. But at the same time, it's... It's I, definitely time for a change, I think. I don't think it's I a bad thing. I can see
0: where he's coming from because it is a league built on black players. Yeah. I just, I didn't think that it needed to change just because it's just a figure. like.
1: It's an outline of a person.
0: It didn't really seem specifically to be a white man. Yeah. Like it might be based off a white man, but to me it doesn't read as a white man.
1: It's a person playing basketball.
0: So. Yeah. But if that's something they think is necessary, then go ahead. I don't mind.
1: Yeah. Uh, This week, the Rockets released DeMarcus Cousins. The team and Cousins came to a mutual agreement to part ways. Originally, Cousins came to that organization because they were building around James Harden and he wanted to be a part of a team that was winning. And with all the trades that they've done, they basically moved all their major player pieces out of Houston. And he's like, Why did I even come here at this point? Like, you know, like your sell to me was that you were going to make players that are quality players built around me for another championship run. He will still end up collecting the remainder of his $2.3 million contract, but he becomes a free agent immediately, I believe as of Monday this week. So he can technically sign with another team. I thought that was a little weird that he's still going to get paid, even though he's not playing for the team during the season, but is what it is, I guess. Uh, The Minnesota Timberwolves fired Ryan Saunders and hired his replacement in under 24 hours as head coach.
0: They knew that was coming.
1: The Timberwolves hired Chris Finch. He was previously the assistant coach of the Toronto Raptors. The NBA Coaching Association, so basically like the group that represents coaches and not players to the NBA, came out and filed a complaint about the turnaround time of the replacements because normally you fire a head coach not knowing who's going to be the replacement, and they're concerned about how it affects the contracts within the NBA and the coaching association. So, I don't know if it'll get looked into or what, but it's just like, I'm sorry, I've always been told that if I'm going to fire somebody, I should have a replacement. So, like, I don't know. Like, just, it's weird.
0: It is weird how quick it happened, given that's not the norm, but... The Boston Celtics are going to be allowed to have fans at home games starting on March 22nd. Governor Charlie Baker announced on Thursday that the state's large arenas and ballparks can admit up to 12% capacity. 12% doesn't seem like a lot, but compared to the empty stadiums they've had, they'll take it. I'm sure they want their money.
1: Yeah, so they started obviously having fans in New York last week in the NBA. It's been okay. Like they they're seating everybody the way the NBA requires it in either groups of two, four, or six. You can buy tickets in that setting. The tickets are already pre-sectioned off. So like if you want better seats in a group of two, you better jump on them like ASAP because otherwise you're gonna be sitting way in the back because the ticket groups are already set in place. So they're keeping them spread apart obviously, and and I don't think that's all bad. And twelve percent of a state. That holds thousands of people, you know, isn't that much. As well, we've been pretty much doing that here in Dallas for...
0: We should not have been doing that here in Dallas. Just no. saying, no.
1: Yeah. Um, but speaking about COVID news, NBA reported only two positive COVID-19 tests during the last week of testing. Not a bad outcome overall for the NBA, considering the fact that, you know, their players have to be right on top of each other, sweating and all that loveliness in close proximity to one another.
0: Being gross. <laughs> Speaking of being gross, the Spurs' DeJount Murray DeJount Murray mm-hmm. has been fined $25,000 for kicking the game ball into the stands. The incident occurred at the end of the Spurs' loss to the Thunder on February 24th.
1: Yeah, that's not very good sportsmanship, to say the least, so.
0: you don't say. <laughs> what is wrong with people? Like, I've seen guys do that, like throwing fits at basketball courts in parks and stuff. Yeah. But like, you're getting paid a significant amount of money and you're being a garbage human being. Yeah. And the last thing I have for the NBA is that they have unveiled game and national television schedules for the second half of this season. It starts on March 10th for the second half and concludes on May 16th, supposedly. Yeah. It is available on the NBA website to get into the nitty gritty of that.
1: But I know you had some MLS news you wanted to discuss.
0: A little, not a lot. We started talking about it this morning a little bit. Well,
1: the good news is I have international soccer to make up for it. So we'll start with your MLS though.
0: The MLS announced that the expansion team set for Sacramento, California that was scheduled to begin play in 2023 is now on indefinite hold after investor Ron Burkle informed MLS officials that he had pulled out of the deal. The reasons that were cited for him pulling out of the investment was multiple sources saying that the covid pandemic and the jump-in price of the stadium from 300 million dollars to 400 million dollars and let's be honest it was a bad investment to begin with because there were a bunch of like not fines but like he had to pay for a lot of stuff that he wouldn't have to pay for in other locations he had to pay a certain amount to the city itself he had to pay a certain amount For infrastructure extra over what is considered the norm. He'd have to pay for franchising and all this other stuff. And it's like, just go somewhere else. This is already a bad investment. Right. Plus, he is already a partial owner for a different team in a different league. And maybe he should focus on that.
1: Yeah. He's also a billionaire. So...
0: Well, I'm just saying the NHL team that he has put money towards and become a partial owner for should get all of his love and money. And I only say that because it's the Pittsburgh Penguins.
1: I didn't know that that's the connection. Yes. Uh, That's that's pretty funny.
0: So maybe focus on the Penguins and give us all your money. Yeah. Luckily, there's
1: a salary cap in the NHL. (laughs)
0: So you could upgrade the arena if you wanted.
1: Yeah. Just saying.
0: Also, the MLS has appointed Sola Winley as its first ever executive vice president and chief diversity, equity, and inclusion officer winley will lead the league's efforts to increase representation advancement and retention of underrepresented groups in the front offices and clubs as well as coaching staff that's cool he has experience working with the nfl a and e television and his own consulting and advisory companies in his 27 year career Hmm. so a lot of experience there we'll see how it goes basically I like it and I don't at the same time because I feel like you shouldn't need that, but if there's a need and you're feeling it, at least that's happening, I guess. It, It just feels like it shouldn't be necessary, but it is. I can
1: understand that. And I can tell you with certainty I have no MLS news. So, speaking on the world of international soccer, because <laughs> that's what matters, right, everyone? Uh, I Ju- guess. Juventus announces the team had a hundred and thirty-nine million dollars in losses in the first half of this fiscal year.
0: It's only February.
1: Yes, but the fiscal year no, is I... different. Yeah.
0: Finances are stupid. Go on.
1: The U.S. soccer program also scrapped a policy this week requiring players to stand for the national anthem. This was brought forward mostly by the women's soccer team, not by the men's soccer team. So go ladies. I'm not shocked to see them adjusting that policy, to say the least. Also this week, the Europa League announced its final 16 matchups. You have Ajax versus Young Boys. Oh, wow. uh, Dynamo Kiev versus Villarreal. Roma versus Shakhtar Donetsk. Olympiakos versus Arsenal, Dynamo Zagreb versus Tottenham, Manchester United versus AC Milan, Slavia Prague versus Rangers, and Granada versus Molde. You know, Manchester United wasn't, was knocked out of the Champions League early this year, so no shocker that they ended up in the Europa League, but they're in the final 16. However, I will tell you, out of the teams that are there, I think you guys drew the hardest opponent. <laughs> I agree with that. So, like, Roma's going to be tough. I think Dynamo Kiev, they're always a pretty good team. But otherwise, yeah, AC Milan and Manchester United are the hardest teams. So it kind of sucks on that draw. In German and Bundesliga news, Jamal Musiala becomes the youngest player in Bayern Munich history to score a Champions League goal. He was 17 years and 363 days old. 24 hours later, he was required legally by the FIFA Foundation to make a claim as to which organization he will play national soccer for. He has dual citizenship, so he has the capability of playing either for England, which he has been. He played for the U21 team uh, in the most recent Euro U21 tournament for England and Germany he stated that the reason he picked Germany is because he had a conversation with Joachim Love the head coach of the German uh, team of Die Mannschaft and he made the decision based off of that phone call
0: and the fact that Germany is just better Uh, maybe
1: (laughs) we might offend some English soccer fans with that one but yes I would agree you're Um, offended but it's true yeah and then Lewandowski this week moves up to third on the all-time Champions League scoring list behind only Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi. He has 72 goals, Ronaldo has 134, and Messi has 119. So needless to say, I don't think he's catching either of them in his career time, but still but top three in the history of the Champions League, which there's is There's a huge.
0: reason we call him Lewandowski.
1: Yeah, it's true. Also this week in German soccer news, Schalke announced they are firing two-thirds of their coaching staff Ouch! uh, due to their poor performance this season. The players requested that ownership fix the coaching woes, or they are not going to play any further games this season. Yikes. So, they stated that after their 16th loss in the season, it's the most losses in organization history. So... Probably a pretty good reason to be like, hey, we need to fire some people. I guess. Uh, What's rough about that is their head coach was hired about a month into the season, and he was fired as part of this two, three-thirds group of coaching to
0: be like I feel like he's so new. Like, give him a break.
1: He's won two games since he's started as the head coach, so.
0: But if you change everyone around him and give him a chance to succeed...
1: Yeah, it didn't seem like the players were going to accept that. So that wrapped that up there pretty quickly. Um,
0: Athletes can be such divas.
1: But staying on the Bundesliga conversation, Bayern Munich is still sitting on top of the table. 52 points. They did lose and draw two of their last three games. So we're slipping a little bit there, which has allowed Red Bull Leipzig, who's won five of their last five games, to close the six-point gap down to two points between the two of us. They are with 50 points in second place. Uh, VFL Wolfsburg is in third with 45 points. Frankfurt is in fourth with 42 points. They lost their first game in eight games this past weekend. And Dortmund, because of their last two wins, has moved back up into a playoff spot for a Champions League promotion with uh, in fifth place guys have moved a little bit back up but the one I know you're happy to talk about is the Premier League because my team is doing god-awful and your team is doing phenomenal. Still. I
0: never want your team to do poorly in the Premier League unlike you and the whole Bundesliga teams but I do like when my team does well. Yeah. And I do like when your team's not beating my team.
1: Manchester City is pulling away in first place now. They have 62 points. They've won all of their last five games. Manchester United is currently playing Chelsea, but as it sits for your last five games, you've won two and drawn three games, sitting with 50 points on the table. Leicester City is in third. They have 49 points. West Ham United in fourth uh, with 45 points. And Chelsea currently sitting in fifth with 44 points. And my lovely Newcastle United sitting in 17th place, one spot outside of relegation with 26 points. yay us we should have won our game yesterday we had it until about the 75th minute and then we gave up the tying goal so we didn't lose thank goodness but But you didn't win we should have won the game but that is all the soccer world and sports news i have for you all this week we really do appreciate your time listening to our lovely conversations about sports and we will catch you later on in the week on Thursday for a book episode where we will be discussing me finishing the first half of Catching Fire. Yes. And other book related news.
0: But in the meantime, make sure you guys are checking out all our social media, which will be linked in the show notes.
1: And we'll catch you on Thursday, guys. Bye.
0: Bye.